Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I am pleased and honored to be with Tim Chechi. He has a great deal of experience within the fashion and retail industry. This includes Barney's, Nordstrom, and Celine, among others. Tim, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me. Good morning, Ryan. And I'm honored to share my perspectives and insights with you. Just to get started, you know, can you just give you know, our listeners a brief background on how you got involved in the industry? You know, it started at a really early age. Uh, during my high school years, I worked for a discounter that's no longer around called Sims. And I had a part-time stock job and then eventually went into the sales floor and I loved it. And then as I moved into my college years, uh, I worked during my college years and joined Saks Fifth Avenue in the sales role for a couple of years and joined them after I graduated and became assistant buyer. And that's really where it started. What I do like about you said that, you know, you have the sales floor experience because I think that's important because you could see what's interacting with the customer and providing that customer service, you know, especially before you became a buyer, because then you can understand what a customer is looking for and the merchandising. Yes, completely. I do want to chat about with you real quickly. You know, you have something titled the 10 years, three brands and four truths. What is that? During the summer, you know, in the midst of this this COVID time that we're all in, I reflected on just the last decade to get a bit of a perspective under the sense that sometimes you have to look back a little bit to and uh, translate that to current times to get some perspective on on how and where to move forward. So what I did was I, I really, I was with three organizations, the ones you mentioned, Barney's, Celine, and Nordstrom. And thought about those experiences and um, some of the stories as well, and then really identified four landing pads, so to speak, of what I think are indisputable truths um, to this industry. You know, there's a lot that you read in the press about retails and trouble, everyone shopping online, you know, so on and so forth. And the COVID's even driving that more. And, and what I would offer is to say that retail's not going away. Um, it will be with us and continue to evolve as it always has been. And it's where I rest my indisputable truths, which I don't know if you want me to share with you now, but... That'd be great. Yes? Yeah, please. <laughs> well, I mean, from those very diverse experiences with those three organizations, I, I rest my case, whether you're new and entering or have been around for 100 years, like a Nordstrom, is that you have to pay very, very close attention and, and build a strong culture as an organization that's That's 360 degrees. That's not just a corporate idea with some mottos on hallways, but that is that is 360 all the way to your distribution center and your stores. Second being you have to build the best teams possible. And I know that's a very easy concept, but you really have to, to embrace and invest and guide and listen to the teams that you have. Uh, it's, it's critical. Uh, third, and not necessarily in priority order, but they, I think they kind of flow in this way, is the customer experience. And there's so many exciting things going on as it relates to what the customers experience when they walk into a physical space or whether they shop online, that has, that's evolving. And last is you really have to center in and carry the right merchandise and or service and provide that in a really focused way that, that helps tell your story. So those four really resonate with, with me. 
all of these four truths, they're very com- they're all complementary to one another. If you don't have one, then they might not be able to stand a- alone. Building a 360 culture, that's the same as having a DNA. And if you don't know your DNA, then you know, your merchandise is going to be all over the place and not going to tell a story. Yes, 100%. Uh, and even with investing in your team, if your team doesn't know the culture, then they're not going to provide that customer service. I, I think that's great because if you don't have one, then it can't, it's like a table. It can't stand on its own. Yeah. And I think today, and, and maybe we'll get into it in a few minutes, but I, I think what was going on even pre-COVID is that you know, if you don't pay attention to one or two of those, or you think you've got it nailed, you can, it's a very slippery slope because things have, have really accelerated in terms of how fast business transacts. And, and so you really can't uh, just sit in a boardroom and think you've got everything lined up. And, and it yeah. resonates with me about just getting on your shop floor, which is critical. To continue on, so, you know, with all your experience, you know, that you have, you know, what you see is the future of retail. Well, I'll cite you one simple example. You know, most recently with Nordstrom, when we launched the, the company in New York City in, in a very major way with a big investment, part of that launch included what's called Nordstrom Locals. I mean, we opened a huge uh, women's flagship store, several hundred thousand square feet. Uh, there was a men's store that opened prior to that. And But what part of what they have launched is what's called this Nordstrom Local. And there are 2,000 square feet uh, there are two of them. There's one in the village, Upper East Side. There are a few that were launched uh, a couple of years ago in Los Angeles as an experiment. And essentially what these are, are relationship centers where a customer can order product online, and, but have it delivered there. So yeah. there's a fitting room there. There's a tailor there. You could meet with a stylist if you want some opinions and expertise and do a more shopping in person, as well as it's very kid-friendly, dog-friendly. So essentially, it's a relationship place. It's, it's, it really underlines help the customer shop however they choose to and make it easy for them. And don't say no. Say, oh, this is an online, you know, some stores are stuck with this. Oh, this is an online purchase. You have to wait online over there. Mm-hmm. Or we don't take this back. Here's a sticker. Go home with it. No, just make it easy. They, the power of giving folks time and being able to accommodate how they choose to shop is the name of the game. So to me, I thought it was brilliant. Um, it helped broaden and deepen the relationship and has been largely successful. And they'll continue to open more. From my understanding, they're, they're going to open several in most of their key, key markets as backup to their brick and mortar, which you know, they're not necessarily going to open all these large stores yeah. um, with a third of their volume coming off the web. It's not necessary. And I think it makes perfect sense to have this local to try on the clothing because then it allows you to more likely purchase at the end of the day as opposed to just returning it. Yes, and I I would add uh, briefly that in particularly for ready-to-wear and in fashion, if something's not working out and there's, there's a tendency for some customer segments to buy eight of something and return half of it because they want to try it on and see how it feels and, and get their friends to see it. For the items that aren't going to work, you need to get those back as soon as possible. They should not sit in apartment lobbies or, or in homes waiting for UPS and taking days and weeks. When you have a selling season that re- resides 12 to 16 weeks, depending how you look at it, those time matters and that will affect your margin and your ability to sell it. And Nordstrom is moving towards a model where if there's a return in a store, 
it's it's on the shelf ready to be picked for a web order within hours. Wow. Which is, which is a game changer. They've reduced that bottleneck significantly. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, assuming obviously it hasn't been worn or and it's in purchasable condition, it just goes back to the floor, to the shelf. So someone that's working on the web fulfillment team can go to the fourth floor in the back and find a size 28 in the Levi distress gene and, and, and fill an order. And that's a, that's, that is the pace at which things go, particularly in ready to wear, but I, I think in other categories too. I, and I agree with that. That is a true future where retail is coming because you're creating a relationship with the customer and you're also fusing, making a fusion with online at the same time. Yes. No, which is very important. Um, I do want to mention though, with with you know the Nordstrom local, and I think I mentioned this to you like the first time we met. I was very impressed in how they partnered with Rent the Runway because it was a way for them to also glean a new customer from Rent the Runway's already established base. Yes, completely. And do you see the industry more, particularly the luxury industry? You know, actually going forward and becoming more sustainable. Um, I'll give you a short answer and a long answer. Um, the shorter answer is sure. <laughs> the long answer is it's going to take time based on the size and breadth of the organization. Um, I would just simply say, and I, I know we only have a short time, but there are many moving parts when you talk about sustainability. And this is an ongoing involved conversation that everybody's trying to really wrap their arms around. Um, and a few of those elements are packaging, the actual materials that are used for your product, transportation and, and what that entails, the factories, the production practices, you know, what does resale mean? When do you go to recycle? Um, and there's some great examples. There's some great beginning efforts thus far. But I think, again, depending on the size of the firm, you know, there's a difference between you know, H&M and Uniqlo versus, you know, a, an organization that's pure web or that has, yeah. you know, uh, two stores in Brentwood and Santa Monica that are now kind of evolving and, and working with different suppliers. So um, I am, I am hopeful. I just, I think it's going to take a little while because just yeah, I, the size of the beast. Yeah. Well, I think there's a desire to do that, but to actually implement it, it's very difficult. I was talking to someone who's in the process of becoming certified B and, you know, it's, it's, it's been about a year to two years and they're a smaller company. So for a larger company to try to be certified B and to be very sustainable to meet those certifications, it's, it's not something that could be done, you know, in a quarter, it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah. Um, um, also, since you've seen a lot of brands, you know, in, in your, in your lifetime, you know, what are some mistakes that brands often make that you you've encountered? Um, I, I will, I, I think there are two that immediately come to mind. Um, one is, and both of them were sort of mentioned before, but one of them is, and, and I really think this leads the pack, is not getting on your shop floor with consistency. And wherever that may be, and that's not confined to brick and mortar and a store. It includes... Uh, you know, monitor, it certainly means being on your floor, uh, but it also means, you know, there's monitoring of online conversations and telephone calls with your customers. Um, it also means being in your distribution center, if that's a place where you're, yeah. you're doing a lot of business. So the idea of shop floor is a broad expression. The closer you are with your 
customer and your teams, the closer you are to at least asking the right questions and considering what, what is important. And you, there, nothing will replace seeing and engaging them, for better or for worse. If, if you want to really succeed and grow, um, you're not going to do that four floors up in corporate headquarters and, and rely on reports and PowerPoints and, and the four regionals that are tasked with each managing 20 stores around the country or, or in different countries. Um, so one by far, um, and I've witnessed this firsthand, would be being on your shop floor. And the second, I would say, goes back to culture and, and mission and what do you stand for and what's your story. Um, and we, I know we talked about this earlier. That has to be 360. When we launched um, Gap International in, in London, there were this, this was a, a while back, but when Gap was on a very strong growth pattern, we had three stores there. A couple of years after I left, we had 35 and a kids division, and, and we really expanded there. And our, our CEO was there regularly with me on Regent Street, Oxford, Cambridge, Belfast, where we were opening stores. And basically, he, he said to folks, there are two types of people that work for this organization, those that service the customer mm-hmm. and those that support those that do. And I have to tell you, and again, we were an international division and, and the States was a bigger landscape, but that mindset really helped shape the culture uh, as, we, as we took new steps uh, in terms of really flattening out so that you didn't have somebody who was in accounting or somebody at a distribution center, someone that was somewhere else simply saying, well, that, that's not my issue. You, you have to talk to the store manager about that. No, actually, if you're in a distribution center, the fact that delivery is coming you know, a week and a half late is affecting our customers. How do we yeah. fix that at the same pace we need to? I think that's a great example because it's the customer, like you said, that drives the business. And if you become afar from it, it's, it's not going to assist. Yes. That, that's, lost, that's lost revenue. And that one upset customer, like the word of mouth is actually more powerful than I think a lot of people like to realize, but if someone's upset about something, they're going to tell all their friends, and then that's several lost customers. Yes, um, and sometimes, I mean, we've all seen it. We're all customers, not only in retail, but on airlines, at restaurants, and in you know the hospitality industry. When you're handed, you know, a foot long receipt with fine print that governs all the ways in which you can return it, and what they won't take back, and and, and I was front and center in so many cases, particularly at, at at Barney's, uh, which you know had multiple brands there, when a customer would come back with, with something, I mean, sure, three to five percent of the customers may have ill will and are buying a formal shirt, wearing it to a wedding, and returning it. But the vast, vast majority of your customers listen to what they're saying and and try and make it better for them. And and the few that are are trying to get something through, and I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'd work with an associate that uh, would come to me after talking to their manager and the manager would come to me actually and, and say, you know, I, they have this return, but it's, it's 35 days after the 30 day return period. I'd say, did you look them up? What's our relationship with this customer? Do you, mm-hmm. what is the issue here? Well, yeah, they spent $4,000 life to date and whatever. And I said, what are we talking about to stop wasting their time? So um, there are sometimes really subtle things that you can do. Sometimes it's not such a big headline, but really just, listening um, and understanding. Yeah, I do want to now speak about Quebec. I just want to say, do you have any comments about Quebec? 
Probably a couple. I, I was at the um, McGill Dobson Center for Entrepreneurship, where I recently met with 14 new and emerging companies uh, led by leadership that had really amazing vision uh, and energy and a very creative approach towards building promising businesses across all spheres in transportation, in, in AI, in agriculture, in fashion that um, was really inspired. So uh, that, um, that element and, and that connection and that conversation that we were having was, I thought was extremely uh, powerful and refreshing in terms of just what is, is driving the future and, and the ideas and the intelligence there. So, and, and I'm, I, I truly mean that based on my experience. Um, I also think, and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily an expert on, on what's going on in Quebec, but I can tell you, I think there's some really exciting things going on. I'm a huge S-Sense fan. Um, yeah. I think they have an, a great online experience. They're really second to none, and they have a great range of offerings and a really creative conversation with its audience. And so it's, um, oh, and are they opening up a physical space? I think so they, they are. They have a physical space in old Montreal. Yes. And, I, and, you know, I do know that, you know, I think in the near term, you'll probably see some more physical spaces yeah. um, of essence. And, and, and to me, that's an example of rounding out the relationship. So if there are folks that are on their phone and want to shop from their couch, great. If you want to come in and begin to get to know us in a physical space, that's that's great too. It, to me, that's just really smart on their part. And, and lastly, I would just say is, you know, I, I believe that Montreal is, is such a world-class city with, with a great diverse range of retail. And I, I would embody and continue to have the range of, of large and emerging and small or companies in there, both in, in the old part of, of the city, as well as new areas. It's, it's really important. If folks want to shop. The research that's been established, it was a U.S.-based study, but even with e-commerce growing as dramatically as it has, and certainly during these times, it's even more accentuated, retail's not going away. Yeah. So just, just get it right. Keep the stage set right, and, and you'll, go, you'll go a long distance. And I, I'm happy that you have such good things to say about um, Quebec and Montreal and in general. You know, McGill is a great university, top of the line. They call it the Harvard of, of Canada. Um, and with the Aldo Dobson Center, I think they're going in a great direction. And, you know, with Essence, I think it's amazing what you say about them. And I think they have, you know, Barney's was a, you know, was a great retailer that would take risks on emerging brands. Yeah. And they had a great merchants, you know, I, identity. And, you know, I think now in our current retail landscape, there's less and less merchants. And I think Essence has, is still in that space where they work as merchants and they see something that's emerging and will take that risk, um, yes. whereas many don't. The, to close, which I always like to close on is, you know, what I know there's a lot of nuggets of what we shared about advice, you know, that, you know, brands and individuals can take, but what is any advice that you would like to share to the community? Let's see. I, I, I'll try and narrow it down because I feel like we've covered a, a fair a fair landscape, Ryan. I would say, you know, as a brand, whether you're a mono brand or a department store or online, you know, just tell your story well so people understand you because we're all on information overload. 
get on your shop floor, wherever that may be, to engage and learn. Um, remember my four truths, because I think they're indisputable. I'll argue anyone for those four that we talked <laughs> about. Continue to evolve um, as, as that's part of life, let alone business. And um, never stop dreaming. I think I want to end on that note from a creative standpoint, because that's what creates all sorts of opportunities and um, uh, pathways that we may not see. It may not be a straight. It may be having to turn a little bit to the left and right where there's something new and really uh, outstanding that can be achieved. Well, great words on that. And to never stop dreaming, that's how you have the motivation to go the extra mile. Well, thank you for your time again, Tim. I'm sure we'll be chatting shortly. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. À très bientôt.